And now, WBW Theater. Welcome to WBW Theater. Listen to a series of radio dramas, comedies, mysteries, thrillers, westerns, all dedicated to preserving the golden age of radio. Those thrilling days of yesteryear, way back when families gathered together around the living room radio to join the theater of the mind. Listen now as we take you way back when imagination ruled and creativity had no limits. Listen now to WBW Theater. Rudy Valley Hour, starring Zazu Pitt, Walter Hampton, Tom Howard, and George Shelton. This is Rudy Valley and Company. We have a large and distinguished company this hour, and many goings-on. The roster includes Graham, Zazu Pitt, one of the most famous of all comedians, a celebrated screen personality who is with us herself, in a new comediata called Miss Pringle Gets a Ticket. Walter Hampton, a great actor, playing the most recent of his many distinguished roles, Van Gali in Trilby. Tom Howard and George Shelton who have rejoiced us many a Thursday and who return for another their bouts of bad and ounce, letting, as someone has remarked, the quips fall where they may. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, a fight to a finish. In one corner, Tom Howard, the entertainingly aggressive agrarian from Fairhaven, New Jersey. In the other corner, Tom's dearest pal and severest kibitzer, George Shelton. Put them together, stir well, bring to a boil... And we have two old friends who are the best of enemies. Tom Howard and George Shelton in one of my favorite verbal encounters. Hey, hello, Graham. <laughs> Thanks, Rudy. That's very nice. And George and I are more than glad to be up here with you tonight, huh? How are you, George? Oh, I'm fine, Tom. I'm did you fine. thank Rudy? I certainly did. Yeah, thank you. Well, that was right. Yes, thank hey, wait you. wait for Rudy. a minute, Tom. You know, after all, he could be Tom, someplace just a... else tonight. All right, all right, know. just a minute. Yeah, what's what? the matter? What's the matter with your eye? My eye? Oh, what eye? The yeah, oh. your left eye is all Yeah, uh, I bumped it, George. You bumped it, huh? You got a bruise there. Fooling with it's women again, huh? What? I say fooling with women again. I wasn't fooling. Oh, say, George, you know. Tom, I know. It happened. It happened. I bumped it, George. You bumped it? How yeah, I tell you, I ate, I ate more. You see what happened? No. I, I, I got, got it from overeating. Overeating? Yeah, overeating. What do you George. mean? I ate more than I could pay for. Oh, Thank George. I was going to sell it. I know. Gag for it. Did you notice that? I did. I saw yeah. that. Yeah. Good thing you borrowed that handkerchief. Good thing you borrowed that handkerchief. Yeah, that kind of covered it up yeah, a little, yeah. George. Lunch yeah, I was out on my lunch hour, you know. Your lunch hour? Yeah, my lunch hour. Lunch hour and you laying off? Oh, laying off. You working? You working? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't lay off. Oh, no. Oh, you know that time. You're yeah. working, huh? Yes. Oh, that's sure. fine. fine. Yeah, I'm working down third. Third Avenue. Third Avenue, yeah. On the Four, avenue, you're working? A little off the corner there. Well, where? Yeah. Out on the street, are you working? No, in a store. A, 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 what, a cleaning time? and pressing establishment. Oh, cleaning yeah, and pressing. Yeah, yeah cleaning and pressing hmm. place. What know? are you doing? 19th century. I say, what are you doing? What? I say, what are you doing? I'm dying. 
Wait, wait, Tom. I'm wait, riding wait. down there. Wait for a minute, now, Tom. Wait. You don't understand yes. me. Who? I asked you where you were working. Yeah, I got that much. What'd yeah. you say? What I you... asked you, didn't I? I where? got my bearings. All right, I... you got your bearings. All right. Yeah. When, where did you say you were working? In a cleaning and pressing store. All right, then I said, what were you doing? I told you I was dying, didn't I? But, Tom, you don't look sick. I'm. Well, who? I, I'm not sick. If I was sick, I couldn't die. If you were sick, you couldn't die. Well, why, how, how do you feel when wait, you're wait, sick? Wait, you wait, 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 wait a minute. All right. Supposing you were taken down with a serious illness that proved fatal. Oh, See, you got what, me for it. Illness. illness. Oh, illness. yeah. See, I haven't got a handkerchief to cover up. What's the matter with your tonight, <laughs> huh? <laughs> if I was taken down with a serious illness, George, yeah. I'd probably be dead. Well, myself. when you die, aren't you dead? How can you die? Listen, George, you, you can't die if you're dead. All you're right. no good to the man. All right, forget about it. Don't be silly. All right, what are you dying for? I'm dying for a living. Yeah. What do you think? What am I dying for? That's... You mean to stand there and tell me that they pay you to die? You don't think I'm going to die for nothing, do you, George? What do you mean? That's silly. How much do you get? Well, $18 a week. For what? Uh, for dying. What do you want to die so cheap for? Well, some weeks I make more, you know. You make more? Yeah, it's flexible. Yeah. 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 How do you make more? Some weeks I die overtime. You die overtime? Yeah, sure. How do you die overtime? Well, the boss comes around five o'clock. He looks at the clock. He yeah. tells time, and he says it's time to go home, have supper, come back. You got to die at 11 o'clock tonight. <laughs> Who tells you that? The boy, the man I'm dying for. The man you're dying yeah, for? Yeah, I'm not dying for myself, you oh, know. Oh, no. I see. I'm dying for another fella. Yeah. Another fella? Yeah. What's the matter with him? Can't he die? Oh, sure. He don't have to die. He don't have to oh, die? He's got four guys dying for him, you think? <laughs> yeah. Four guys dying for him? Yeah, he used to die. Oh, he used to die? Yeah, he died three years ago. Oh, I see. Then you're not working for him now. Yeah, same fella. Oh, but same Tom, fella. if he died three years ago, how can you be working for him now? Well, he quit dying. Naturally. Quit dying. He died three years ago. He had to quit. Oh, no. If he died three years ago, that doesn't necessarily say he'd forgotten how to die. Oh, my. Listen here, Tom. If you died this week, could you die again next week? If I'm living. If if I'm living. Sure. Certainly. What are you living? Why don't you take poison or something? Take poison? You think I want to die? Well, don't you? Don't you want to die? Certainly not. If I die, I wouldn't be able to die. As long as I don't die, I can die all I want to. If you could live to... You oh, can't... You're uh, you're, I say I'm all mixed up. Start, if I was you, I'd quit the job. Uh, the job? Quit? The job's are scarce. Besides, it belongs to a union. Union? Sure. You mean to stand there and tell me that if I want to die, I would have to join a union? Well, if, if you want us to recognize you, if you want us Rec- to recognize you. Sure. Recognize <laughs> <laughs> That's not for you. You don't have to, Joy. Listen, Tom. Listen, Tom. When I die, I don't care who recognizes me. All right. If you want to die a scab, go ahead. We don't. Now, Tom, will you... You see, you're all excited. Oh, you, no. You, you fly off the handle so quick. I'm not excited. You're not... level. Very level. No, now, now, calm yourself a little bit. Tom, go ahead. Now, say, you... This place where you're working, you have a boss, haven't you? Oh, sure. I told you that. All right. You got a boss. Yeah, we got a boss. You like your boss and everything. Oh, bosses go. All right. All right. All right. All right. Now, take it easy. Now, what is the boss's name? Who? The man you're working for. Yeah. I, what do you mean? I told you. You did not tell me. You asked me his Why name. Why should I ask you his name? I know his name. <laughs> Listen, who is the boss? That's right. What's right? No, what is the shipping clerk? <laughs> who is the shipping clerk? No, who is the boss? I don't know who he is. But I'm telling you. I don't even work down there. I know you don't. What do you keep asking me all I'm the time? I'm not asking you. Well, now, take it easy. Now, look. You come to work in the morning. 
Now, we say tomorrow morning you're going to work. Well, I might be feeling well tomorrow. Well, morning. I know. I might can't... go in tomorrow. But can't you feel well just for tomorrow well, morning? Well, I'll see you. All right. Get up in the morning. I don't right. know. Now we're going to work. Now, yeah. Do you follow me? Polly, why, you're not working there, are you? I know I'm not working there. No. Why should I follow you? Well, I mean... You just... don't know where the place is. All here. right. Don't follow me then. Now you enter the office. No, we go, I go in the back way. Well, go in the dining hall. Huh? Go in the office today, will you? All right, yeah. well, I'll get balled out. All right, All right. you get balled out. Yeah. Now, you hang your hat up on the hat tree. Yeah. On the hall tree. Locker. Yeah, in the locker. All right. Locker. Now, as you pass through, you call your boss something, don't you? Yeah, but we don't let him hear it. Oh, I don't mean <laughs> I don't mean that. I mean, when you come in, don't you say good morning, Mr. So-and-so or Why something? Why should I? Mr. So-and-so is the janitor. Why? Who? <laughs> Who's the janitor? No, who's the boss? I don't know who he but is. But I'm telling you who he Listen is. Listen here. Has the boss got a first name? Certainly he's got a first name. What is the boss's first name? No, what is the shipping clerk's last name? Tom, will you please tell me the boss's first name? Is he? Is he who? That's right. Good night. <laughs> Walter Hamden, one of the most distinguished of actors, has been a major event in the summer theaters. Mr. Hamden, so famous as Hamlet, Cyrano, and other heroic characters, has astonished and thrilled his audiences by the power and range of his impersonation. Last week, he played Sven Gali in Trilby at the Mohawk Drama Festival in Schenectady. Next week, Mr. Hamden moves to Ridgefield, Connecticut, and light comedy in A Successful Calamity. We are proud to present this great American actor in an episode from Trilby. Assisting Mr. Hamden are Miss Muriel Hutchison, who played Trilby with Mr. Hamden at the Mohawk Drama Festival, and George Meader of the Theatre Guild Company as Gecko. A garret studio in the Latin Quarter. It is a spacious room, but gloomy in the wavering candlelight. Vengali, a strange, mysterious, shabby musician from who knows where, is brooding in the shadows. Slowly he raises his head. His weird eyes are burning as he calls to the violinist, Gecko, his pupil. Gecko, Gecko, Gecko. Yes, master. I'm coming. Yes, master. Yes. You are my friend, uh, mein Gecko? Yes, master. Such as I am, second violin at the opera, such as I am, I owe it all to you. You taught me all I know. How shall I forget it? Mm. Have I money, mein Gecko? No, master. Not a sou. Have I uh, debt, mein Gecko? Our landlady does not permit us to forget it. I have heard the account of her lawyer. It is a warning for me to leave my pulled room. Well, now, I have to borrow five francs from those pig dog artists. I'm going to make millions. Millions. But you shall have a part of them. Uh, a small part, uh, but enough. But how, master? How? Mitty, will be. Will be? But she is an artist, model. I am telling you a great secret, Mantecco. That composer Litolf discovered it, too. 
That sweet little friend. He has the cunning ear. Well, Little said to me that the most beautiful voice in Europe belonged to Trilby. But, Master, she is tone deaf. She cannot distinguish one note from another. Bah, I have looked into her mouth. The roof is like the dome of the Pantheon. The entrance to her throat is like the middle porch of Saint-Sulpice. And her big, British teeth are like knuckle bones. And the bridge of her nose he says, the belly of a Stradivarius. What a sounding board. Oh, my Gekko, she will bring so much money that we will weary of counting it. But she has never learned to sing. We will teach her. We will teach her together. Morning, noon, and night, six, eight hours a day. We will take her voice, note by note, until it rains, velvet and gold, beautiful flowers, pearls, diamonds, rubies. <laughs> Then you can work magic. Yeah, I can work magic. At least uh, what fools call magic. I can make Trilby do my bidding. Bah! Yesterday you saw me cure the pain in her eyes. <laughs> A trick of magnetism. What's the beginning? Trained by me, she shall sing for the whole world's delight. Master, she can no more sing than my fiddle can play of itself. Hers will be the voice. Mine, the, the feeling. Mine, the knowledge. I have not studied Mesmer's art in vain. Trilby shall be the greatest soprano the world has ever known. What emperors and grand dukes shall kiss her hand. But, Master, Trilby loves the Englishman, Billy. They're very happy. They'll be married, Master. They leave Paris for England tonight. Mm, there will be no wedding, my Jacob. I have a way to stop it. You will not hurt, Trivoli. We all love her so, Master. I think... I think I want no share in this. <laughs> you are an error, mein Gecko. We'll all go away together. You and Trilby and I. We will wander eastward and leave these big dog artists to dob their canvases, handle their little brains, and break their little hearts. And when they come back, they will bring me to a songbird, oh, the like of which has never been heard before. The like of which will never be hurt again. Bengali. Uh-huh. Uh, my, my little one. Yeah? I'm looking for Billy. Indeed, my belle Sherry. Billy is not here. Uh, Gecko tells me that you and Billy are to be married tonight. Yes, Bengali. I'm oh, so very happy. So, at midnight, we say goodbye. I shall be glad to leave Paris, Bengali. You will leave it gaily. Cages shouting, Zuzu blowing horn, and the organist at San Nicolas playing beautiful music. But see, it will be. Please, Bengali, don't stare at me like that. Ah, it will be. The day will come when you will stare at me. I wish you'd let me alone. Look at me. Look me in the whites of the eyes. I wish you would let me alone. I wish you would. There's a light glimmering yonder. The light of ugly little building. And inside are eight slabs of marble all in a row. It is the morgue. Oh. But don't be careful, my Trilby, that you who leave Paris so gaily do not come back to sleep on one of those marble slabs. So that the people stare through the plate glass window and say, Ah, oh, what a beautiful woman must still be. 
She should be riding in her carriage and pair. But she would not listen to Svengali. And so she lost him. And is now lying there. While all day and all night, the cold water from the tap over her head shall trickle, trickle, trickle down her beautiful white body to her beautiful white feet. Drip, 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 sleep, my mignon, sleep. Now, baby, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. You will do as I bid you? Yes. Zit. She is asleep. Wake her up. Trilby. Trilby. Wake up. It's Gecko. Master, I cannot. Hmm. Take this pen, Trilby. All right. My dear Philip. My dear Billy. This is to say goodbye. To say goodbye. Your mother is right. I must never see you again. Never see you again. I've left Paris forever. Paris forever. Do not try to find me. Try to find me. I am safe with friends. Friend. Trilby O'Farrell. Trilby O'Farrell. <laughs> she is mine, Gecko. Trilby is mine. Bengali, <laughs> you schemer of the devil. <laughs> She's going to become the greatest of singers. She will sing as a nightingale. And the beautiful princess will invite Bengali to their palaces and pay him thousand francs to play for them. But he will not look at them. He will look inward at his own dream. But his dream shall be about Trilby. To lay his talent, his thousand francs, at her beautiful white feet. And you, my Trilby, you shall hear nothing, see nothing, think of nothing. But Bengali, 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 remember these things, my Trilby. Remember them. I will have millions. <laughs> millions. <laughs> this week, your grocer invites you to enjoy a special treat. Ice cream made from royal pudding. Is your favorite chocolate? Or is it vanilla? Or butterscotch? You can have them all. For royal puddings come in all three flavors. And each flavor makes grand ice cream. And don't forget that royal puddings, served the regular way, are wonderfully cooling and delicious. Just try them. Well chilled for a perfect summer treat. Ask your grocer tomorrow for royal pudding. Be sure to get real royal. R-O-Y-A-L. The Rudy Valley Hour will continue in just a moment.
ahead of us in the next half hour or so are Miss Zazu Pitts in Miss Pringle Gets a Ticket, the music of the Connecticut Yankees, and something else enlisting the services of Walter Hamden, Tom Howard, and Miss Pitts. That will be along near the finale. This, however, is the beginning of... The Rudy Valley Hour, Act Two, presented by Fleischmann's Yeast, the tonic food that helps so many people over 40 ward off a slump in energy at middle age that helps them feel more vigorous and energetic, young for their age. Connecticut Yankees. That announcement on the marquee of a hotel, a nightclub, a ballroom means there will not only be lots of dance music, but lots of dancers. For our versatile valley is one of the most popular of all directors of foxtrot, waltzes, rumbas, and, well, if it's the shag or the big laugh apple that's wanted, Rudy is there with the music for such goings on, too. Every year, Rudy meets up with hundreds of gatherings that have come to dance to his music. And as a dance band maestro, he has problems that might not be obvious to the casual observer. What Rudy is up against when he stands in front of the Connecticut Yankees and faces a crowd of people dancing, and what he does about it, appears in a reasonably realistic dance medley called Rudy on the Roof. Spring is here. Why doesn't the breeze delight me? Stars appear. Why doesn't the night invite me? Maybe it's because nobody loves me. Spring is here. We have just started a set of melodic and moderately tempoed songs when a mildly belligerent voice demands that we depart from the sweet tune we are playing to substitute a hot arrangement, a, med a medley from the opera Martha. Larry Clinton's arrangement is excellent, and we are happy to oblige. speak in full swing when suddenly one of the pages who carries messages and phone calls whispers that the big birthday party on the terrace has arrived at the birthday cake stage. The bringing on of the birthday cake is an imperative signal for a birthday medley, which we immediately play. For it's somebody's birthday, the first time on Earth Day, a time to be happy and gay. This delightful occasion is in 
celebration of years as they pass away. So with music and flowers we'll spend a happy hours. We'll sing and we'll dance and we'll play. Let's all drink a toast to our most charming host. For it's somebody's birthday today. something by playing these birthday songs. There are other birthdays being celebrated on the roof, and they not only want the additional playing of happy birthday for them, but also the mention of the honor guest's name on the loudspeaker. The average person seems to have a harmless and somewhat naive vanity about hearing his name mentioned publicly. But to mention one would lead to a deluge of requests to mention all. So my most diplomatic move is to continue with dance numbers. Then a young lady who describes herself as an old-fashioned girl asks for an old-fashioned waltz. We're one of the few bands that likes to play waltzes, so she dances to the moon of Manakura. Not very old-fashioned, but at least the fiddles and the pianists know it, and it saves scurrying through our music books looking for something that might be called old-fashioned. dancers, many West Point cadets. They are easily distinguished by their straight way of holding themselves while dancing and the close West Point haircut. While they might be proudly wearing their uniforms as second lieutenants that they have striven for four years to be able to wear, they are always somehow in civilian clothes. To make them feel welcome, we play a medley of army songs. Good old army way. Hey. 
always happens that there is another important group of young men with us, Navy men. They let us know that they would like some of their songs in no uncertain manner. And there is the inevitable fellow who wants to play the drums with the orchestra, the fellow who wants us to play a song that he wrote in high school, and the young lady who wishes we wouldn't play anything but Kiss Me Again. Well, those are some of the things that the fellow who leads the band has to think about. We'll do our best for all of them, and maybe on some Thursday evening in the future, we'll tell you musically about those situations. has brought to New York one of the most welcome of visitors, Miss Zezu Pitt, the delightful comedian whose popularity is so great that people are having contests for the best imitation of Miss Pitt. Oh, dear. <clears throat> but we have the pleasure of presenting the original and, I believe, practically inimitable Zezu Pitt, who began a series of personal appearances at the Paramount Theater today. For Zezu Pitt's personal appearance here this evening... We invited Keith Fowler to write a comedy. The result is called Miss Pringle Gets a Ticket. Presenting Miss Zazu Pitts with the assistance of Harold Familia and Walter Scanlon in Miss Pringle Gets a Ticket. Martha Pringle, school teacher, celebrates her vacation by purchasing an automobile. On her first day at the wheel, she runs afoul of the law and is told by an officer to appear in court the following morning. As the scene opens, the judge calls her name and... Next case, Miss Martha Pringle. Miss Martha Pringle. Were you calling me, Judge? I was, if your name is Miss Martha Pringle. Yes, that's my name. I suppose it always will be my name. Will you come forward, please? Oh, that's awfully sweet of you. But you mustn't bother. I can see everything from where I'm sitting. Are you under the impression, Miss Pringle, that you're in this court merely as a spectator? Why, I really don't know. Does my ticket entitle me to anything else? <laughs> Do I get a set of dishes if it's the lucky number? Are you referring to the ticket given you yesterday by Officer Downey? Yes, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. You see, I get around so little since our little theater group disbanded. You are here to answer a charge of reckless and improper driving. Please step forward. There must be some mistake, Judge. I've never done anything improper. I'm sure I'd remember it if I had. I'm afraid there's been no mistake. You can settle the whole thing, Miss Pringle, by answering one question. Are you guilty? Well, none of us is perfect. Are you guilty of the charges preferred against you by Traffic Officer Downey? The charges? Officer Downey just gave me a ticket and told me to come here this morning, and I said I'd be delighted. And here I am now, and it's all very confusing to me. Aren't you confused? <clears throat> Suppose we approach this problem by easy steps. First, you are Miss Martha Pringle. Well, that's fine. You have a wonderful memory for names. I have a memory for faces, but no memory at all for names. Yes, well, never mind. Second, you are the owner of... Uh... Uh, what is your name, Judge? I 
am Judge Henry Veasy. Veasy, Veasy. Oh, do you have a son named Claude Veasy? Yes, I have, but that has no bearing on this case. Dear little Claude, he's one of my pupils, a sweet boy, but so dull at arithmetic. My son, Miss Pringle, has an excellent mind. Oh, dear, now I've hurt your feelings. But really, when it comes to arithmetic, Claude is stupid in a well-bred way. Perhaps we can continue that discussion at some other time. At present, your case must be settled. Well, Officer Downey, please step forward. Uh, here I am, Your Honor. Why, Officer Downey, how nice to see you again. Remember me? Uh, I sure do, lady. Oh, you old flatter. No, 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 Miss Pringle. Let's get down to business. Officer Downey will present the evidence, and if you wish, you may defend yourself. Against him? Exactly. Well, I'll try. Of course, it's been quite a while since I defended myself against a man. <laughs> she thinks we're going to wrestle, Judge. Quiet, Downey. You, Miss Pringle, will present your side of the case. Officer Downey will present his. I will hear both sides and render a fair and impartial decision. Are you always impartial, Judge? I pride myself on that fact. Even when you say your son Claude isn't dull at arithmetic? My son Claude is not on trial. Of course, it may be like father, like son. Are you dull at arithmetic? My dear woman. Now, if one man can mow a field in three days and another man can mow it in two, how long would it take both together to mow it? I refuse... Let me see. One man, three days. <laughs> That's quite simple. The answer is two and a half days. Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, sure it ain't. You, you add them up and get five days. That's right, five days. Your children must be dull at arithmetic, too, Officer Downey. I ain't got any kids. I ain't married. And neither am I. So what? Oh, dear. Now he thinks I'm a scheming woman. <laughs> must this issue be forever sidetracked? Get on with it, Officer Downey. What was Miss Pringle doing when you gave her the ticket? Uh, she was parked on the wrong side of the street. But I wasn't. I'd gone downtown to buy a piece of dotted Swiss for a shirtwaist. And I stopped in front of the Bontown shop. If I'd stopped on the other side of the street in the Bontown shop, would have been there. So I must have been on the right side of the street. <laughs> she told me the same thing, Judge. I ain't figured it out yet. <laughs> The location of the Bonton shop, Miss Pringle, has nothing to do with traffic regulations. What if all drivers always stayed on the same side of the street? Can't you see what would happen? I suppose it would get awfully monotonous. I can only point out that you endangered the lives of other people simply because you wanted to buy a piece of, well, whatever it was you wanted to buy. A dotted Swiss. Yes, dotted Swiss. Uh, I assure you, madam, that I would never place dotted Swiss above the public welfare. But dotted Swiss wouldn't be right for you, Judge. You're more the blue shirt type. Your guilt is obvious, Miss Pringle, but since this is your first offense, I am inclined to be lenient. And so, hey, Miss Pringle... Hey, hey, that, that ain't all, Your Honor. What? There's more? Plenty. You got no idea what this lady can do once she gets started. Why, Officer Downey, you make me sound quite fascinating. Proceed, Downey. What else have you to report? Well, half an hour after I give her the first ticket, I run into her again and give her another ticket. Fifteen minutes later, I run into her again and give her another ticket. An hour later, I Wait run... Wait a minute, Miss Pringle. How many tickets in all did Officer Downey give you? A six, but you mustn't blame me. I told him he shouldn't be so generous, but he kept insisting. I couldn't do a thing with him. Where are the other tickets? I tucked them away in my hope chest. 
Downey, maybe you can straighten this out. Her first ticket was for parking on the wrong side of the street. How about the second one? Well, uh, three times she held out her hand and didn't make no turn. Then she made a quick turn and didn't hold out her hand. Is that true, Miss Pringle? Oh, yes. It was getting cloudy, and I put out my hand to see if it was raining. Well, why didn't you put out your hand when you did turn? Well, it wasn't raining. My dear Miss Pringle, don't you realize that you might have caused an accident? That someone might have collided with you? Yeah, maybe you think somebody didn't. Oh, there was an accident. Uh, Not exactly. A man in his car just happened to be where I went. Was he hurt? I don't think so. After a while, he got out and picked up his fender and said, Oh, you women. And you, Miss Pringle? I just said, Oh, you men. I hope it didn't sound flirtatious. Proceed, Downey. What was the third instance? I I just started to hope I'd seen the last of this lady when, bing, there she was again. She was going through a bunch of red lights like they weren't even there. Well, Miss Pringle, didn't you see those red lights? Oh, yes, I saw them. They're a very pretty shade of red. Did you pick them out? It might interest you to know that when you see a red light, it means stop. In what language? In any language. Oh, that reminds me. Your son, Claude, is not only dull at arithmetic, but he's the weeniest bit backward at language. Must we drag my son into this again? Say, I just got it. Yes, Donny? Uh, it would take both of them guys uh, six days to mow that field. Quiet. I refuse to have this court turned into a kindergarten. In the future, Miss Pringle, please abide by this slogan. When lights are green, the coast is clean. When lights are red, always stop dead. Why, what a lovely little jingle. (laughs) Now then, when... No, don't prompt me. When lights are green, the coast is clean. Go on, go on. When lights are red... Go straight ahead. (laughs) There. I'm sure I'll never forget it. Oh, what's the use? Proceed, Officer Downey. What happened next? Well, I, I caught her speeding, Your Honor. Sixty miles an hour. Sixty miles an hour? Oh, dear me. You're all mixed up. I've only gone 37 miles since I bought my car. He didn't say you went 60 miles. He said you were going 60 miles an hour. But that's all wrong, too. When he stopped me, it was exactly 2.45, and I left my house at 10 after 2. And that certainly doesn't make an hour, Judge. Hour or no hour, were you going fast? Well, at one time, I was traveling in a pretty smart clip. (laughs) Why, Miss Pringle? I think I must have stepped in the jigger when I meant to step on the doohickey. You stepped on the doohickey when you... Miss Pringle, may I see your license? A license? Yes. When you get a car, you're also supposed to get a license. Oh, is that so? Miss Pringle, you've broken every law in the book and you have no license. I offer you a choice of 30 days or $50. I presume you'll take the $50. I couldn't, Judge. I simply couldn't. What? Oh, please don't think I'm ungrateful. After all, I did take your free tickets, but I couldn't possibly accept a sum of money from a comparative stranger. Except, listen, Miss Pringle. Suppose my friends asked me what I did to earn those $50. What could I say? No, Judge, I've never been a gold digger, and I'm afraid it's too late to learn now. I give up. I know when I'm licked. Court's dismissed, and I'm going home. Oh, Judge, must you go, Judge? I must. Well, I'll be glad to drive you home. I have my automobile outside. It's parked right next to the fire hydrant. (laughs) 
our good friends Lee Sims and Ida Mae Bailey for this lovely tune, It Isn't That, and Fred Fisher for Carol Gould's little tune, Tarzan. Thoughts that come to me shouldn't be a mystery, but it's true. Talents of Walter Hampton, Tom Howard, George Shelton, and Miss Zazu Pitts. 
Mr. Hampton is the prologue to this story. Mr. Walter Hampton. Ladies and gentlemen, a little while ago I had the pleasure of playing Svengali. But now I am the prologue for another Svengali, who makes his first appearance in this role this evening. I shall not say his uh, last appearance. Let it pass that this is his first. Uh, yet I cannot help thinking, uh, well, uh, oh, well, yeah. This uh, new... Well, this new Svengali appears in an episode by John Whedon entitled... Swing, Gally. <laughs> if my suspicion is correct, this is a uh, faintly barrel house version of Trilby. <laughs> and the cast, to name it, is to say everything. Let the curtain rise, then, on Swing, Gally, with the following players. Swing, Gally, played by Tom Howard. Gecko, played by George Shelton. And... For her world premiere in this role, Miss Zezu Pitts as Trilby. Hold everything, and may the best man win. Gecko. Yes, Master. Yes, Master. You are my friend, Gecko. I certainly yes. am. Yes. <laughs> And I'm also second clarinetist with the Connecticut Yankees. See. Uh, have I money, Gecko? Boss, you, you know you haven't got any money. No. Well, I was just asking. Have I debts, my little buckaroo? <laughs> have you got debts? And how? <laughs> debts too bad. Uh-oh. <laughs> did you see how I slipped that one in there? I certainly did. Yeah. Ah. Uh, could I, I could take my clarinet, boss, and go out and play on the corner and see what I could get. You'd get plenty, but we couldn't eat it. <laughs> Where's that Trilby? I don't know where she is, boss. Swingowie! Hey, Swingowie! Uh, here she comes now. <laughs> Ain't that a coincidence, though? Yoo-hoo! Sounds like something loose in her lonics. <laughs> Gecko, my faithful, low, unpaid servant... Can you keep a secret? I certainly can. I personally have discovered that the most amazing voice in all the world is none other than Trilby's. Yes, but not for singing, though. We will be rich, Gecko. We will make millions. But, boss, thousands. But, boss, she can't sing. Will you let me get my lines out yeah. here before I cut them like that? <laughs> What do you mean she can't sing? I've looked into her mouth. It's like the cave of the wind. Her throat is like the left wing of the Holland Tunnel. And her teeth are like the stars. They come out at night, I suppose. They come out at Excuse me if I seem a little distraught. I've just been through a terrible experience. What, somebody getting fresh? A sculptor. He lured me to his studio under false pretenses. The chiseler? <laughs> name him, I'll cut his heart out. His name? 
Oh, dear, I forget, but I shouldn't have trusted him. Do you know what he wanted? Well, I might hazard a guess. <laughs> he wanted me to pose for a radiator cap. I'll garrote him. <laughs> One of those expensive radiator caps. You know, with everything going whoosh. <laughs> Evidently a bounder. My goodness, I was never so... Well, he was kind of good-looking, though. I see. Gecko tells me you and Billy are to be married tonight. Who, me? Oh, yes. I guess it's Thursday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me. what do you want to mess around with that Billy for? Come on, tell me before I hypnotize the living daylights out of you. <laughs> What's Billy got that I ain't got? Well, he's... I don't know. He's just my bill. An ordinary man, but... Quiet, just... quiet. And an ordinary voice. Yes, but she will sing. She'll sing the way I tell her and the songs I tell her. Oh, I couldn't. Come over here. Come over here by Papa, Trilby. There, now, don't be afraid. I'll get you a ten-year contract with the Metropolitan. What? Well, a week at the Paramount. <laughs> Come, my little cabbage, sit here beside me. Now, take a quick look at this song. We'll give it to once over lightly. No, I don't like it. You all do my will? No. What? You better give it the eye, boss. Look into my eyes, Trilby. Joe Swingalley, don't you look at me like that. Look into my eyes, Trilby. What do you see there? It's me. Look. Look deeply, Trilby. You look in my eyes first. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Don't start that, Trilby. If there's any hypnotizing to be done around here, I'm going to do it. Now, Trilby, cut it out. Do you hear? Cut it out. It's a struggle. She's trying to hypnotize me. You're using the wrong eye, boy. Uh, the wrong eye. Look. Look into my eyes, Trilby. Not the glass one. Look into my eyes. I'll fool her. I'll cross them. Ah, I caught her off her guard. It's in the bag. She sleeps. She sleeps. <laughs> she sleeps. Ah, you got her, boss. Nice going. You sure got the eyeball working that time. Keep out of this, Gecko. I'll handle her. Now sleep, Trilby. Sleep. Uh, what a voice. My gosh, you've done it. Trilby. Trilby, do you hear me? Hello, hello, hello. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Do you hear me, Trilby? I heard you the first time. You are in my power. Do you hear? Oh, dear. Okay. You will now... You will now sing the songs I wish. And you will sing them as they should be sing, sung. <laughs> she is mine, Gecko. Trilby is mine. And we're going to be rich. Swing it, sister. Let's put Flugy with a fly, fly. Hit it, Gecko. Let's put Flugy with a fly, fly. Let's put... Who's going to fly, fly? Now, two and about people over 40. 
Has that after 40 slump indigestion hit you? Do you have to be more careful about what you eat? Do you get tired and nervous sooner than you used to? Then try this tonic food before your meal. The Fleischmann's new high vitamin yeast being sold in this vicinity. This fresh, active yeast acts to strengthen the digestion to help the glands in the stomach give out a more normal flow of digestive juices. Besides helping the digestion, this new high vitamin yeast is richer than ever in four vitamins everyone needs. And here's an important point. The yeast acts like a booster for these vitamins. By toning up the digestion, it aids the assimilation of these vitamins and other foods eaten. Eat one cake of Fleischmann's new high vitamin yeast a half hour before breakfast, another a half hour before supper. Just eat it plain or dissolved in a little water. Do this regularly and see if your digestion doesn't improve and if you don't feel more vigorous and energetic. and lively show, including among its headliners, Miss Ethel Merman of the cast of Alexander's Ragtime Band. This is Rudy Valley bidding you all good night. Included on this program, Spring is here from I Mary the Nation. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Join us again as we bring you exciting thrills and adventure, rip-roaring comedy, and shoot-em-up westerns and gangbusters. Next time, when your imaginations will be invited into the theater of the mind with WBW Theater.